0: This
1: is Hello! Hi Erika, how are you? Very cold, yes. It's freezing. (laughs) Yeah, cold arrived, winter arrived at the end of February when everybody was expecting it to become spring. Minus 15, is it? Yeah, minus 15, real feel, minus 22. And And it's, it's only going worse.
0: Yeah, tomorrow. So today and tomorrow, I think it's the worst cold
1: yeah for this week if we if we survive then I guess we are gonna be in spring <laughs> <Yeah>. one day
0: <laughs> it's really it's very nice because it's very sunny and it's um, not so windy but you can really feel
1: the that your my nose just freezes when I breathe in my ears are everything is freezing but yeah okay at some point it has to come right yes
0: but anyway let's start with our let's let's welcome our guest today we have Elisabetta Michelotta from uh, University of Helsinki. She's a postdoc in astrophysics, and she's looking at interstellar dust. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Dust. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here.
1: My pleasure. Elisabetta, one very quick question. Go for it. What is interstellar dust?
2: Oh, well, uh, interstellar dust is essentially the dust which resides between stars. In fact, the uh, medium, which is between stars, is not empty, but is populated by stuff like uh, little molecules, things like that. But there is also a solid state component. And we call it dust, because in fact, this is what it is. And so dust uh, has also, there are different components with different sizes. So the biggest grains can be assimilated to things like sand or uh, uh, soot. But we also have uh, things more exotics like nanoparticles, or even more exotic things like large molecules. And they have a complicated name. They are called uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. <laughs> yes, uh, it sounds scary and it sounds well uh, exotic, but in fact, these molecules are very, very well known on Earth because essentially they represent the main components of autosuit. So, pollution. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, yeah, so what
1: What kind of um, elements do we find in these particles? Are there, uh,
2: are there elements that we don't see on Earth at all? No, 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 we, we definitely see them on Earth. And, okay, for these big grains, so the sand is made of uh, silicates, and these uh, soot grains are made of carbon. Uh, For these nanoparticles, we are not fully sure about the composition, but we favor things containing carbon and hydrogen, so, again, hydrocarbons. And the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons are definitely made of carbon (laughs) and hydrogen, arranged in a very peculiar structure. Uh Uh-huh. In a ring. Uh, Yes, exactly. They are polycyclic because they are made of different rings um, arranged on a planar structure. It's a very peculiar structure. Does this dust have any
1: uh, role in, in, our, in, in any galaxy?
2: Oh yes, it has a very very important role. So uh, it absorbs uh, radiation from stars and re-emits it at longer wavelengths. And doing this is obscuring the light coming from stars. So there are some famous objects and if you look at them, in optical wavelengths, so with an optical telescope like Hubble, you will just see a patch of a dark sky, something completely dark. But if you look at it at infrared wavelengths, you will see that it's glowing. And uh, and that's the reason why is that uh, the dust which resides in there is absorbing the light from the sky the, from the stars and is re-emitting in these other wavelengths. So is 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 annoying for. Uh, uh, optical astronomers, because it's really obscuring the the light coming from stars and other objects. But it's important for us because we can uh, recover a lot of information about different things happening in space uh, thanks to this light. But there are also other things happening. For instance, uh, through this emission in the infrared, uh, the dust is able to strip away energy from uh, molecular clouds. And in this, in this way, it helps uh, the collapse of the, of, the, of the cloud and so the formation of stars. Oh. This is one of the important roles of dust in the ISA, so interstellar when, medium.
1: when a new star is forming, I believe that's uh, called protostar? Right, So, uh, and there is normally matter that is orbiting around, Mm -hmm. is that
2: dust? It also includes dust, yes. In fact, uh, you are referring to, uh, uh, yes, a disk, and this disk contains um, gas, but also dust. And in fact, the dust grains will be the seed for the formation of planets.
1: So, basically, yeah, this uh, dust is then then going to... um Merge with itself, like
2: we exactly cluster and form planets because uh, because uh, so this uh, this disk is not static, but uh, all the material there is circulating is. And so uh, this dust particle will collide with each other, as you said, and through a process which is still not fully understood, they will form bigger and bigger aggregates, and these aggregates will collide with each other, and they will grow uh, up to the point that they will reach some critical size. And at some point, uh, we believe that this process will lead to the formation of a, of a planet.
0: Wow, so mm. cool. Where does the dust originally come from?
2: Oh, that's a very interesting point. So we think that is formed in the atmosphere of evolved stars. So stars which are essentially dying, they have uh, um, thick atmospheres with a very high temperature. And uh, um, density, and so this uh, favors the coagulation of this dust particle because the seeds of dust particle are, uh, are atoms and molecules, and they will at some point they will coagulate and they will form this more complex uh, structure. Although this is a complicated process and is not fully understood yet, but this is one of the options. So we believe that these uh, dying stars are the main sources of dust. But there are also more exotic sources, like uh, supernovae. So when uh, a star uh, will explode as a supernova, there is a lot of material that will be ejected during this explosion. And this material is also very hot and dense and is possible to form dust inside this material. And so this dust will reside in the cavity of the supernova remnant, so the shell created by this exploding star. And it will have to um, uh, face a lot of difficulties in order to escape from the shell and be ejected into the uh, general ISM, the interstellar medium. And in fact, supernovae are a very interesting source of dust because they could be the only possible sources of dust in the very early universe, when the universe was less than one giga years old. And we know that dust was already formed back then, but the classical sources, so these uh, evolved stars, didn't have time to evolve, so supernovae could be uh, the source that we need to have this very very old and, dust. And that's
1: because classical stars, so the ones that are not exploding at supernovae, have a longer lifespan than Absolutely. supernovae. Yes. Okay.
2: Exactly. So it will take longer for them to, to develop, evolve. To, yeah. To uh, that point. So they will have no time in a very in the very early universe.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, that's so interesting. And. <laughs> One question, so supernovae are are exploded like those giant stars that explode uh, at the final stage of their life. And normally when we see uh, their remnants, they are like those nebulae. Uh,
2: Yes, they they look like
1: nebulae, they can look like nebulae. Which are very colorful and very nice and very pretty, but that's not dust that we are seeing, right?
2: Well, uh, we are also
1: seeing dust. So, you can see dust in optical? uh... Uh,
2: Well, not in optical because dust is not emitting. Exactly, so I was thinking. It's absorbing. Yeah, exactly. But uh, if you observe uh, the supernova remnants uh, at different wavelengths, we would be able to separate different components. A famous example is Cassiopeia A, so Cass A, and there are very nice pictures showing uh, ima- images in the composite images in the optical, in the x rays, and the, in the infrared. Uh, so, uh, infrared or uh, sub millimeter. And in, this, in, this, in this, this, this way, we are able to distinguish different components. So, there is this very hot gas which is emitting in the x rays, but we also have a patches. Of material which is emitting in the in the infrared, and this is the dust. Um, we have also material which is emitting at longer wavelengths in the radio or submillimeter, and that's also dust, but is dust located in the center of the remnant and which is cold, while the dust emitting at the infrared wavelengths is hot because mm. it's been shocked inside the remnant. And this has been a recent discovery and a very important one because for a long time uh, there was a a discrepancy between the amount of dust that theoretical models predict to form, which was pretty high, and the amount of dust which was observed, typically in the infrared. And so scientists were asking, okay, why is that? Why we cannot find this dust? It's dark dust. (laughs) It's definitely dark dust. It is. Because when we started looking at supernovae, especially the closest one, uh, uh, with ALMA, for instance, so submillimeter wavelengths, well, we discovered that there is a huge amount of dust residing in the center of the remnant waiting to be hidden up.
1: Uh Yep, definitely dark dust. Cold, it's dark, definitely dark, dark and dust. cold. Dark
0: and cold. Dust. Dark and cold. So you you mentioned that there are different um, ingredients to this dust. How do you determine what it's made out of?
2: Okay, the only way that we have to do that is essentially through the light that this material is emitting. And so combining a uh, theory and laboratory experiment we can, uh, and observations of course, we can try to find out which kind of material we need in order to uh, produce the light that we observe. And so, with this process, we have been able to, uh, to learn that we need dust with different sizes and different optical properties. It, essentially, optical properties means the way that, that the material is absorbing the light and re emitting it. So, with this uh, combined effort, we discovered that we need different components with different sizes. And that and these components will also have different ways of being uh, heated up by the radiation field.
1: I have one question. Uh, Let's take, for example, our galaxy. Mm -hmm. So we know that we have a big black hole at the center. Yes. And then we have this uh, spiraling. Arms that are that are coming out from from uh, this black hole, and we are kind of at at the edge of the galaxy. Okay, with this picture in mind, is that interstellar dust distributed equally throughout the galaxy, or is or is it more dense in some in some or more concentrated in some other in some locations? Yes, it's
2: definitely more concentrated in specific locations. In fact, in the spiral arms. In the
1: arms. Yes, in the arms. uh, I would have
2: totally expected that
1: near the center.
2: Uh, Well, uh, looking at the center is complicated because it's very bright. So maybe... (laughs) <laughs> we don't know exactly what's in there but for sure we know that the dust is uh, is located in the spiral arms and it corresponds to the regions or also where we have a star formation because in fact stars as you said before they are they are they are, they are formed um, from molecular clouds and these molecular clouds contains dust. Mm-hmm. So if we compare uh, images in the optical and in the infrared we will see that there is a match so dust and illuminating stars are connected and we can use the dust also to probe the physical properties of the radiation field in the location where it is
1: so since my field is the solar system i will make a comparison i mean i will use solar system or space physics terms what um the the space over which our sun has influence is called the heliosphere mm-hmm. and then outside of that there is the interstellar medium or okay. at least what we call the interstellar medium so there is where i expect the dust to be right between st- so each each star has their little star sphere and between uh, where, where they have influence and stuff and then in the between there is this interstellar medium filled with dust i assume but does dust can dust penetrate in uh, within, for example, our heliosphere? Uh,
2: yes, definitely does. Oh. And when it enters, it becomes interplanetary dust. Oh. And and so at that point, essentially, I think it's your job <laughs> to to study that one because uh, I typically consider the one which we believe is populating the 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 outer region, so out of the little sphere of influence of each star. But definitely these particles enter uh, in the in the heliosphere, and they participate to the physical processing occurring there. And and yeah, also comets, uh, asteroids, they are also made of dust, which is aggregated. And so there are people that study these kind of objects.
1: Mm-hmm. So, it's really, it's really everywhere around in the universe. Yes,
2: it's definitely omnipresent. And what about the space between galaxies? So, the intergalactic medium. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Cool.
1: Uh, I love all uh, these names, interplanetary, <laughs> interstellar, intergalactic. Do we have uh, something even bigger? inter mm, interuniverse. Well, well,
2: we, we consider <laughs> only universe. one universe, so probably not. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah intercluster 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 yes, because more mo- so.
1: more galaxies the uh, so make a cluster so sorry interrupted your answer so no what problem. about the intergalactic uh, yes yeah,
2: so uh, there there is dust also there and in fact we can also observe it but uh, because we essentially work with spectroscopy uh, we favor objects which are nearby because we can get um, higher resolution spectrum Mm. But definitely, uh, so when we look at objects which are more more distant, well, our spectra will be, let's say, um, with less features and resolution will be not that great, so it will be more complicated. To, do, uh, to perform uh, science. But definitely dust is there. So because it's expelled from all these stars and it will cycle through the ISM. So it will participate to the formation of stars. Uh, it will be detected everywhere in galaxies. It will be also expelled from galaxies to go into the inter, um, or like and,
1: escape the yeah. escape the
2: gravitational pull of some yes, galaxy. Yes, it will be able to escape, so we will also uh, detect it there. And after it will be incorporated again into a molecular cloud, contributing to form a star. A star at some point will die, and it will be forming dust. So it's a continuous cycle.
1: Oh.
0: so how do how do you work? Where is your? How do you say? Okay, here is molecular dust, and. Yeah, so how do you identify where it is and what kind of data are you collecting?
2: Okay, so uh, we use uh, photometry, so essentially taking pictures at different wavelengths or different objects, and spectroscopy, so uh, we we make a spectrum. And uh, analyzing this spectra, taken at different wavelengths, we can identify the components which are there. So I work uh, typically in the infrared, so I have this uh, mid-infrared spectra, which are dominated by dust emission. So we already know that the dust is emitting in there. So what I do specifically, let's say one of my topics, is try to understand what happens to these different kinds of dust particles when they interact with high energy phenomena. And I mean things like shocks. So uh, for instance, a supernova is exploding is generating a shock wave which propagates in the interstellar medium. So the dust residing in there will be will inc- will encounter this wall which is moving at ultrasonic speed. So what happens there to this dust? This is what I do. So I combine observations, but I also do a lot of theoretical modeling to try to understand the physical processes which are affecting the dust or destroying it or uh, partially, completely. And after, try to deduce which kind of emission we expect from this damaged dust.
1: Okay. And I... Believe that infrared is screened. Um, the infrared wavelengths are screened by our own atmosphere Absolutely, nerve, yes. So you have to take measurements from space. Exactly. So which
2: which satellites are you using? Okay, in the past we use, uh, ISO. And Spitzer, which is still working, but in yeah, the Spitzer is still working. Yeah, it's still working, but uh, in the warmer phase because the helium ran out, so it's not cold. So infrared observations uh, need to be done with very cold instruments because otherwise there will be contamination from the thermal emission mm. from the instrument itself. Mm. So uh, now uh, it's not cold anymore, but it's still taking measurements with this uh, in the warm phase. But the next big thing will be JWST. So the next generation oh. infrared telescope. Uh, what 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 is the full
1: name? James it's the James, James Webb, Webb
2: Space Telescope.
1: yeah, I, I believe that i've I've heard people talking about this one a lot over the internet for uh, for quite a long time. Yes. Yeah, everybody's excited.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll be, yeah, hopefully end of 2018 or beginning of 2019 it will be finally launched and that would be awesome
1: and then you 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 all astronomers will astro- and astrophysicists will be super excited yes <laughs> we already are we already are so um, launch the telescope yes please yeah, i mean i i i have, uh, you know i also depend a lot oh. on data taken from space so i'm also sure. like always waiting for new telescopes <laughs> yes. to be launched so yeah i, I understand the excitement completely <laughs> Thank you very much Elisabetta for this first phase, and now we will continue our uh, discussion while doing some games. Okay. And But don't worry, we will also ask some stuff at some point again. Okay. So our game is of course uh, the category game, Category. We will have five categories, we will extract, you will generate one, one three different Land of letters, and we will have to uh, fill all the five categories with, uh, with each letter. Um, and we have two minutes per letter to fill them. And the categories for these episodes of the Science Basement podcast are things outside of the solar system. We have had recently an episode about uh, space science, but that was within the solar system. But with you, with you, we are exploring the outer space. So things that are in there, awesome. And now, and the second category is one that is very, very exciting for me. It's songs that mention space stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. I really hope we can find something interesting. Number three are researchers' duties, because we, we don't only do research, and some might, might say, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of stuff to do.
2: Oh, yes.
1: Uh, number four is constellations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we are still in space. Mm-hmm. And number five... Things that are naturally round. (laughs) Okay. So basically, category number five is balls. Yes. Balls Balls and things, spherical things. Nice. So, Stephanie, I give you the paper because I, I let you write and. The, whoops. Here are the here's the letter generator. Okay, so how does it work? Just, just click,
2: click in the on, middle. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> click on the ball. On the oh, right, <laughs> right. The yeah, that's, that's <laughs> naturally <the> spherical, <laughs> <thing>. spherical. <laughs> naturally okay. spherical. I go
1: N. 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 I, I thought it was C. Yeah, okay. it, it kind of stopped. Yeah, it kind of stopped on the C. No, na, I don't, I don't know. Might be okay. So timer starts in three, two, one. Now, good luck. N. Nebulae. Nebulae. Oh, yes. That, that, that was easy. Things yeah. outside
2: the solar system. Nebulae.
1: Yeah. Ah, 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 Song. Neutron star collision. Muse.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. Neutron yes. star... Neutral or neutron? Neutron star collision. <laughs> I don't know the song. Collision. Bonus. Oh, if we have some bonus time left, I might even sing it yeah. from Yay. Muse. Yay. Wow. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not oh. going to do it. I researched the
2: duties with no. Anne. Um, Mm. Mm. let's think about constellations maybe constellations yeah maybe maybe oh, with
1: constellation n. with n, with n. Oh, nothing comes to mind oh. Oh. nothing
2: comes to mind <laughs> oh. <laughs> isn't nautilus a constellation i'm not sure Hi, i might google it A researchers oh. do
0: with n Na, ni, ni, no.
2: um,
1: mm. and things that are naturally round um uh. Yeah, let's think about
2: spherical stuff. Spherical stuff with N. Oh, let's look around. Mm. Let's <laughs> look yeah, around. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we can um, get inspiration, uh, right? Yeah, there are not not ra- uh, There is an apple in office. Yeah, an apple, yeah, apple <laughs> is- <laughs> <laughs> I really want. We we started so nice. It's we so have nice some like- nuts that are maybe round. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't count. Okay. No. Mm. They are like yeah. In the meanwhile, I can I, we can sing the song. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we would get inspired. No,
0: I can't think of anything. New- New- Newtonian, <laughs> New- Newtonian
2: apple. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, a researcher duties. Yes. Uh, Not refusing to referee papers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Okay, a bit
1: bit pushing, but yeah, makes sense. Oh, no. oh no, it's over. Three over five, it's okay, it's okay.
2: That was a difficult
1: letter. But we started so well, and then we were like, "Uh, "Uh, I have no idea. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. Yeah, not refusing to referee papers. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. So yeah, uh, basically reading papers from from other people and, and judging them.
0: Yeah, giving them comments and yeah, in enough order enough to improve the papers. Busy, yeah. yes,
1: yes, exactly.
2: So that's an important duty. It is, of course. It takes time. Absolutely.
1: Yes. And actually, for the first category, we would we could have had like both <laughs> both the. The nebulae, which is what we wrote, and plus the neutron star collision, which is, which is number yes. two. Wanna uh, explain very quickly what's a neutron star?
2: Oh. Even if it's not exactly okay. your your. So, your uh, I will try. View. So, uh, a neutron star is the final stage of a star with a specific mass, and it's, it's characterized by the fact that it's made essentially only of neutrons. And the interesting thing is that, why is that? Because at some point, the star will start to collapse, and um, the collapse is so intense that uh, uh, all the material will be essentially crashed on each other. So the electrons that are orbiting around the proton, the central proton, will crash on the nucleus, mm. and so the material will transform into neutrons. So it's a degenerative state of matter. Because everything crashes in itself. Yes, exactly.
1: And then they rotate very fast They on also rotate right?
2: very fast, and so they originate what are called uh, pulsars. Mm. So these very, very fast spinning stars, which are emitting uh, intense pulses.
1: So yeah, basically stars can have a lot of different outcomes in their life. So yes. uh, the biggest ones become very explosive and supernovae. Then we have these neutron stars, and then we have the ones that just turn that turn off very slowly. That become yes. the brown dwarfs. Brown
2: dwarf. Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, what's going to happen to our sun?
2: oh it will become i think a, a red giant so at some point the the outer envelope will expand completely uh, while well, devastating our solar system and after probably will turn into a white dwarf or something like that but don't worry because it will take <laughs> like five billion years or yeah, I so think that the orbit um,
1: the radius of the of the Sun will expand uh, so that it arrives to until the orbit of Mars yes
2: definitely
0: isn't um, isn't the the so what determines what kind of life it will lead isn't there this diagram I can't remember what it's called yeah the yeah. earth Earthsprung- Earthsprung- Russell, Russell. <laughs> And then you can map where, which, what kind of star you have. Yes. So
2: what's it? What's it based on? It's essentially uh, so. What's determining the fate is the mass of the star. So how big it is. So yeah, the bigger ones will have a very quick life and will explode as supernovae. And when you decrease the mass, they will have different fates, So they will become uh, neutron stars. Uh, in some cases. Bigger ones will also become black holes. So essentially, after the star explodes as a, as a Super- supernova, uh, the center can collapse to become a neutron star or can also collapse to the point of becoming a black hole. Itself. Itself, yes. So the Whoa. leftover is a black hole.
1: That then starts to grow again.
2: Well, the black hole will feed itself with the material uh, orbiting it yeah. and so uh, this material will be incorporated will be yeah swollen by the black hole and so it will it will grow mm-hmm. oh, wow, yeah. outer space is so cool very cool let's go
1: to round number two right yes. okay so you can generate let's do other. it
2: better let's, okay i will try
1: yeah b b oh wow Okay. very intrigued to one now. As constellation. Constellation. I just Virgo. 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 Oh, I so I was thinking yeah. about the I about Vega the star. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. oh okay. but this is the thing
2: but, outside the star yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. a solar system. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: Because it's not a constellation, it's just a star, it's just but a star. it's uh, an important one, isn't it? Isn't it the star uh that every 26 Millions or thousand years is pointing to the north instead of the polar star. Amazing. I think that they rotate. Uh, they rotate. We will. We, we will check later. Will let, check. Let, let's okay. think about songs. Songs that have space stuff. Uh, with V, with V, with v. Are our researchers duty. Doing... And things that are naturally round. <laughs> <laughs> I Except love, this, yeah. I so love right? this last category I uh, love mm. this last
2: category. Researchers duties with V. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> violation of the laws of physics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we could try, we could try. We'll try. Well, there are, there are uh, scientists which are trying to show that some um, laws of physics are not true. Mm. Mm. So that could be a duty yeah. for someone. Yeah. <laughs> Violating, Violating the laws
1: completely. of physics. Or
0: verifying. Yeah. Verifying. very verifying. 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 verifying.
1: Theories. Yeah. Nice. Verifying nice. theories. Uh, actually,
0: uh, researchers do should be to verify previous results to make sure that it is, yes. uh, they're also, consistent. Yes. They are consistent, so, yeah. We, they're, they are
1: consistent with the theory, mm, like yeah. that the experiments yeah, and yeah, theories yeah. are consistent, yeah.
2: Verifying a lot of what things. What do we? Yeah. What are we missing? Songs uh, the song things and round. things that are naturally
1: round. Oh, uh, uh, songs.
2: Well, let's say that Vega is round. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is a, kind of a Venus? Venus is, Venus, round. Venus is okay. round. Venus is round. Venus is
1: round. Only Marlo the songs song. left. Oh, okay, we are doing better. We're doing better. Yeah, yeah. Four out of five is 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 better. We did three last time, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah so we are so improving. Now, so the, the next one should be all of them. Okay. But yeah, what I what I was trying to say, and I and uh, and before is that uh, every twenty six thousand years, uh, the axis of Earth is rotating, so the north is not um, the polar star is not anymore the one which is pointing the north, but it will be Vega, and they just rotate between each other every every twenty six thousand years. So what happens in uh, when? Vega will be a polar star. What will happen when we will take a photograph of the night sky? Mm-hmm. That all the stars will be. Will be circling around. It. Yeah, circling around Vega. So that's cool. cool. Although that takes a couple thousand years, so you know. But <laughs> we are not gonna be able to see. It, no, yeah, but no. someone will.
2: Yeah, they're definitely
1: not gonna happen during our
2: lifetime. No. Okay. So okay, the final letter. Let's go for it. And it's P. 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 Okay, let's start oh, with
0: our timer. Three, timer. two, three. I don't know. Three. I have a good feeling.
1: Three, three two, one, go! Polar Eight. star. <laughs> Polar star. Polaris, right? Polaris.
0: Polar star. Things outside the solar system.
2: Songs. Uh, song with P. Uh, mm. Researcher space exploration. Ah, uh, oh, constellations. okay. Constellations. Ah, uh, pair shoes. Ah, pair Okay. Or p she's also as well.
1: Ah, pieces. Yes. Yeah. Ah, and per pieces. ah, A
2: researchers' duty, publishing, Pub-
1: Publi- oh, and public.
2: Yeah. I wanted to say public outreach. Oh, also, also. Oh. publishing oh. and
1: public outreach. Yes. Okay. Nice. Publishing outreach. everywhere. Things that are naturally round. Po- 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 With p p p p p p p god. <laughs> okay, Na- next A one. p song. The Only song. the song. the song. Only yeah. the song. Think about space songs with P. But, um, mm. is, there a pur- pur-
0: is there anything about that?
2: Well, purple something. <laughs> purple space. Purple space. <laughs> uh, purple, what
0: if purple rain is actually something that happens somewhere in the universe? Yes. <laughs> you know?
1: It might be like that. Well, in uh, on on you there, there is purple aurora. You Can know
2: it think on the it? chemistry yeah. of the yes. atmosphere. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so we we might have purple Potentially rain purple on an exoplanet. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> something else.
1: Polar. There must there must be a song called Polaris. Um,
2: Polaris, or... maybe. Mm. Pa- I thought of a movie. Isn't *Passengers* a movie?
0: I don't know. <laughs> yes,
2: it's a movie. It's a movie. Yes, it's a movie. But yeah, it, it, they have a, a soundtrack.
1: A... Oh <laughs> Passenger soundtrack. Oh no. We should have got S as a letter. Oh which song would it be? With S. Anything that starts with space? Yeah. Space
2: Oddity. Space Oddity, right?
1: Or we star man. Mm. Is it clear that I love David Bowie? <laughs> no, not at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they would have had Sirius, which is one of the very few stars I know. Yeah, oh, Sirius. Yeah. And it's a binary star. Oh
2: yeah, right.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. Sirius A and Sirius B, or Alpha and Beta. How do you how do you name stars? Uh, are they named with um, Latin letters or with, with Greek letters? When yeah. you have to to name different stars in the same system. you, you can
2: you can have both. Mm, okay. So yeah, I think in the past it was more using Greek letters, but now they are all taken. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, people need to be more creative in naming things. We can, they could invent an astronomical alphabet. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. But yeah, but after you have to start repeating. There are so many objects there.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I always wonder what's uh what because there are actually laws to name anything in space like they have to follow some laws so for example you know all our planets have to to have names of like ancient gods oh okay and yeah and yeah,
2: and yeah and but disc- now i mean when when you when you when you do science essentially uh, okay catalogs they use names which are not particularly let's say evocative but they are convenient so essentially it's to put flags on a different object so you name them with something like uh, related to the n- the author of the catalog, mm. and after you put numbers. Yeah,
0: I had a uh, one of my very good friends. He was looking at uh, meteors,
2: and I okay. think he has
0: one name. Like he has a Atreya number, number, whatever. Blah blah blah.
2: Okay. Really? Yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh. That's kind of cool. That yeah, yeah, person, yeah, uh, yeah something you're something you. in
1: space is named is named after you. After you. But you can be rich enough to buy some, something oh. and put it in your name. You don't have to be a scientist. Yeah. Are we ready to listen to some science anecdotes? Yeah, okay. So the one I have today
0: is um, also, well, we're going to go into optical
1: observations of optical stuff, observations. looking at stuff.
0: So it's not exactly um, interstellar, but you're still. we're still going to mention a, a solar system. Entity, which is uh, the moon. So, moonlight vision. Have you noticed that when it's dark, you still see, of course, because we do have night vision, but everything becomes kind of gray. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about, like, shades of gray. And that's because... (gasps) Yeah, nice. When, <laughs> not, we're Interesting. Not going to
2: life, but, uh, but
1: because it's you said it like we're
2: going in to such a way. Yeah, in such,
1: such a catchy way. We're going to the shades of gray. Science can be
0: fun <laughs> Yeah. <It looks> sexy. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, we have ro- uh, rods and cones in our eyes. Yeah. So the cones are the ones that are detecting light, a uh, color. Sorry, and then the rods are more sensitive to uh, to the night vision because they're they can they can. Um, activate with lower intensity lights so actually i saw a comic not long ago um where you have a moonlight hitting a vampire who's about to bite a guy
2: okay and the guy
0: says do you know that moonlight is actually sunlight reflected you know and reaching us and then the vampire just like died, <laughs> right? okay. sunlight. oh but the thing is moonlight is is basically very similar to the um, to the emission of the sun but it's mm-hmm. much lower intensity so our our cones are not seeing the color because they're not working at that intensity of light, but the rods are. However, they're they are monochromatic, so that's why things look kind of gray. Um, but what's interesting though, is that that's why you can't really read at night because when you're looking at a book, the 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 like the central part of our eye is the color Mm -hmm. is a cone sensitive one yeah so we can't really see it. it's more the peripheral that we can see that's why also when we're like stargazing you can see more like from the sides from the from the sides than straight from the eye yeah because it's the peripheral one okay um but the what i found really interesting though was that during this Scotopic, so very low intensity vision. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when you supposedly is that when you have a for example a pilot and they're looking at their dashboard, things are in red light, because the red is um that wavelength is not really um saturating your your rods. Okay. So you can still keep your night vision. So the pilots could still um look out and still like well you can still keep a night vision and still read and see things
1: without. Um, over-sensit- oversensitizing your uh, yeah so, so you mean because normally you have a very you feel a very different very big difference if you are if you are looking at something very bright and then you change exactly. quickly mm-hmm. to yeah, something you're exactly. blinded yeah, yeah exactly yeah, like okay. white light would just blind you yeah they're just it's too much for them and they just
0: saturate yeah
1: but the red wouldn't uh, really do that so it's a very soft transition but yeah so yeah. you okay. don't need to
2: adjust yeah it would take a exactly. very short time to yes. adjust yeah Okay. Yeah, but I so we're really
1: we are, are we really not supposed to see to see colors at night? Because well, I mean, like I, I never thought about that. But I, I mean, I never believed I was seeing in black and white. I mean, mm-hmm. you you still believe you're seeing colors? We're right? seeing in shades of gray.
2: Yeah, we're seeing really? shades. But the
1: I, shade, is... I never yeah. thought that. I always thought that, like it's normal colors just at night. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's not because it's mostly your rods working Uh your cones are there so it's our brain that is
1: making Mm -hmm. the colors that is putting well maybe
0: you should just take a oh oh here's the other thing though sometimes uh night becomes a little bit blue so not black and white okay you you see a sort of blue hue to it yes Uh um but that's something that they haven't really figured out that it could be that some like some of that light is like some of your cones might just be getting some sort of yeah, like the, the activation of your rods might be going into your cones somehow a little mm-hmm. bit, like some signal, and okay. that's why you see the blue.
2: So we will be able, we would be able to perceive a little, a little bit, bit of blue, blue because yeah. of the cones will yeah. work a little bit.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's but it, I, yeah. So there was some study about this, but I didn't find one that I was conclusive about. But there's this blue shift.
2: Uh-huh. This, okay.
0: Yeah, but you should we should take a look at it though. So next time when you see, for example, a rose that's very red. In The night, you mm-hmm. just see these gray
1: petals. I, I think that my brain is just really smart in tricking
2: me to see colors. <laughs> so, you see colors even in the night? No, I don't see, yeah. I mean, no. I never
1: thought about it, but I never thought that it was black and like you know, gray. I always thought,
2: I mean, it's just the normal colors, but at night, <laughs> but because it's dark, so you don't see it. It's not, that I, I,
1: I will, I will think, yeah, today me too. I,
2: next time, I will, I will think about that. No, no, next yeah, time, it's yeah, gonna be
1: guys we are still in winter in two hours it's okay in three hours it's going to be to be dark again so when you're going home when i'm going home i'm going to look at my yeah, but it is bed. interesting right because you think oh there's no
0: light so you don't see the things but you are it's just you're yeah them so it's not that
2: because we don't get enough light to see things is that well, in a way well, you, the way it is, yeah, I know where you but are because we, we are not sensitive to the colors.
0: Yes, you're just seeing mm. it because the
1: the rods are working. Right.
2: Okay. Fascinating. Yeah.
0: yeah, that was very interesting.
1: Okay, this episode really, really made me like about about all the beauties of the deep universe and the fact that I I didn't
2: know that
1: <laughs> I didn't know that you can see gray stuff.
2: Yeah, but yeah. you know,
1: yeah. like this? slightly shifting towards the in, blue, but still in, 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 the, in the shades of grey.
0: Yeah, so shades of grey are now, we're now thinking about something
1: different. Yeah, <laughs> finally. Yes, yes, <laughs> finally, yes. Uh, But yeah, Elizabeth thank you very much for all this interesting information about the universe and, and dust and, and interstellar stuff. And thank you, Stephanie, for this very interesting story. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm going to read so much about it tonight. Yes. And quick recap of our links um, and handles. Uh, Twitter handle at Science Basement, Instagram at Science underscore Basement. Our email is Helsinki at gmail.com. You can also send emails for uh, with questions for, for our guests. Uh, example, Elisabetta from today. And yeah, guess we're done. And I really hope it that spring will come at some point. And yes, I agree. <laughs> and yeah. thank you for the fun today. Thank, thank you. My pleasure. Bye. 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 Bye.